Bob Baronis. Thanks for uh, joining us today. Appreciate you coming out on the podcast. Sure. Appreciate <laughs> being invited. And you and I were, you know, we're nerding out on mountain biking just here earlier. So um, you have, uh, real estate wasn't your first love. <laughs> no, no, it was not. <laughs> to where uh, you have a very, very cool background um, that gives you a totally different view of Northern Arizona. Um, you want to help our listeners understand that background? Let's well, and you say northern, not just northern Arizona, but really just the Southwest, right? Or or the West, yeah, or just the West. Okay, so, uh, so I grew up in Ohio, which is not the West. Yep. And uh, right out of college, where I went in Ohio, uh, ended up in a job in Georgia. Um, but when I was a kid, I drove through the mountains of Maryland. There are mountains in Maryland, West Virginia, and I was like, "Wow, mountains are cool." I, I really want. And so I took a job out of college, um, actually, after a couple of jobs out of college, I took a job in uh, central Utah, and it was a wilderness program. Eight days in the field, six days off. I worked with delinquent kids and... Uh, a little closer for you. Got that. Uh, delinquent kids and, uh, you know, crack dealers and things along those lines. And uh, we lived outdoors, put a backpack on, and that was, that was the therapy. Put a backpack on. And kind of do what everybody else is doing. And weirdly, you'd see change from where some kid was at. I hate everybody. I hate you. I'm going to take. I'm going to steal. I'm going to hurt. I don't care. To like, wow, being in this group is like one of the best things I've ever had and happened in my life. And there's all kinds of th different, you, know, you could do all kinds of different theories and ideas. But the reality is like you, you take a, a, a person in the modern world and you put them in a small group to live in that small group, and there will be a change, usually a very positive change, because in our world where everything's very um, anonymous, or there's yeah. the ability yeah. to be anonymous, uh, living in a place where you know people and you get to interact with them on a personal basis, on a day-to-day -day basis, changes everything about how you interact with the world. And, you know, we've seen that in the last 10 or 15 years where these kids, people in general are are – they like their screen names and nobody knows who they are and they yeah. want that distance in that space. Um, so I did that for a long time and I, I, I've, I've lived in Colorado, Utah. I lived in Montana for a while and did similar work um, with kids. And then uh, um, seven years ago, uh, it became very apparent to me that I, I, was, I was tapped out. You know, officially uh, on empty on my uh, empathy scale. Oh, yeah. Sleeping, you know, you, you get into your 40s and sleeping on the ground gets a little more challenging. And you, did, uh, you finally learned your lesson from the program. <laughs> Not uh, to make jokes. But yeah. So uh, how, how long, how many years then were you doing that? Um, directly in the field, I have over five years of days. So 365 times. Five years of solid days. Of days. Oh, wow. So, and then uh, as a total. This isn't glamping. No, uh, this is, yeah, no, this are, is like. You, do you have a pad? Yeah, you have a pad, a backpack, and a sleeping okay. bag. And okay. All that stuff. Okay. But it was 365. Okay. And so, you know, you wake up and neck, knock the snow off of your, off your tent. And we didn't actually use tents, but. Different story. Yeah, gotcha. But uh, yeah, we lived out there in the heat and the cold and everything. Yeah. And, and the trick is that again, you rely upon other people. Yeah. And and in our modern society, you see all these TV shows where people are like, oh, "I'm going to go be a hermit and live on my own and live off the land." That's impossible because to to to, to start the idea, you have to have a car which was manufactured by. 300 or a thousand other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have a knife, right? The most yeah. basic tool for the wilderness is steel created by, you know, some guy that mined it in Minnesota that shipped it to Cleveland to send it to Pittsburgh to sure. forge a knife or shipped it from China, whatever, you know, you, yeah, yeah. you just can't do these things. And so um, living outdoors with groups of people, you're realizing how interconnected you are with everything that happens. Yeah. And so uh, when I ended up uh, very clearly, I was fairly traumatic. I'm like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. You know, I can't yeah. do this sort of work. Five years, the life expectancy, standard life expectancy of somebody in the field working in that category is about, about 60 days, 90 days, you know, a year and a half is a really long time in the field wow. working in that sort of business. Cause it's all consuming. You live there. Well, no. and, so. and that's why I don't think a lot of people understand, um, where when you work in that type of, um, 
when the, you were, so, so I, I mean, my, my similar, so I did a, a, a church mission, right? And so, and it was basically like 6.30, you're on a pro, at AM, you're, you're on the program, right? You're doing certain things, language study, different things, and then you're, you're out the door, and then like you get back home by 9.30. Mm-hmm. And, and so you don't understand of like when you have like that constant like you don't need like an eight to five is an easy freaking thing that's you right can turn it off and be somewhere else so when yeah, you're weekends when you're in the field <laughs> and you're like and, and um yeah i i can totally get where you're coming from like this can only be sustainable for so long when you are and especially since you're there you know you're you're constantly on with those kids right be, beyond on you're the so you know, you're always coaching people, the young people. You're like, well, yeah. th- you know, this is how you want to interact with people. And this is how you want to be as a person to function differently, not better or worse, but yeah. differently in yeah. the world than maybe you've been doing. That only works if you're showing it every single day. So when I wake up, I'm on. I'm on game, right? And you got to be that person, which is incredibly difficult because I believe in sure, uh, who sure. I am and what I'm doing and all of those things. But man, sometimes like the one kid's super annoying. Bob can't have bad days. You can't, you, I can have a bad day, okay. but they have to kind of be far and few between. Yeah. And it's almost necessary to have a bad day as well, right? Because then I'm, I'm a human being as well. Yeah. And you need to be seen yeah. as a human being. And early on, I remember I had a buddy of mine. He was like, Bob, you take a deep breath. Be yourself for a little while. <laughs> okay. And I was in my 20s. And, and after that, it makes yeah. a lot of sense. Like, it makes people uneasy when you're a little freakish. You know, oh, like, yeah. Well, that's totally okay. Yeah, it's not supposed <laughs> to be. You're not, you're not shooting for perfection here. Yeah. And, to, and and honestly, to live in that space is, doesn't work either. But no. can I, can I you know, live my values day to day for the most part, 80, 90%? Yeah, sure. sure. And, and am I stressed out about the 10 or 20%? No, I'm a human being. And, and another human being is going to identify me as such. And we'll be okay. Yeah. It's the trick. It, you know, the trick is that if I want to be upset with you, I just don't look at you like a, a person anymore. I'll yeah. be like, well, Chris is, you know, if I'm so awesome, he's not because he didn't do what I wanted him to. And then he's a jerk and it's either his fault or my fault. And why in the world would it be my fault? Yeah. Right. And yeah. so that humanization and understanding of just my own limitations and looking at other people allows other people to have limitations and then again, we can live together. Yeah, and we can kind of have a, a society, you know. And then that, when you're looking at a little one, when you come into a place when you can be anonymous, you're the the kind person that just is willing to be involved and talk. And you look a lot different than everybody else in a very positive way, simply because you're willing to to be part of what's happening. Absolutely. And so, so seven years ago. You found your kind of breaking point and you decided let's career path change and you found real estate. Yeah. Uh, it, so I, 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 we talked about where I lived on the South end. So I was connected to all these trails. So I'd take my dogs out every day for about a month. And I was like, what in the world am I going to do? Like, yeah, this is the only thing I've known for the best part of 20 years, you know, wow. 20 year career. And, uh, one fourth of that on a, on a uh, pad and a sleeping uh, bag. Exactly. Oh, exactly. you're a saint, Bob. Yeah. Well, and the other, the other three quarters of that were people with, uh, you know, mental health issues and social issues and, oh. and uh, behavioral issues and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And so, uh, part of my career, I worked as a job in 2010 during the, the great recession. Uh, I took a job working with kids, helping them become employable in a time when no kid could get a job because you and I, people our age at that time, were getting the jobs at McDonald's for eight sure, bucks sure. an hour because they, they lost their job and they didn't have anything else. Yeah. And so all of these kids were like, well, should I, why should I have to do A, B, and C? Because the economy was so good up to that point, and then it wasn't. And so I, I did a lot of coaching with kids on kind of like how you want to think about it. And the, the biggest advice that I gave to these guys is, well, what can you do that somebody would pay you for? And so instead of saying, well, I work with kids, the people can pay me for that. I'm like, what are the other skill? What are the transferable skills? Yeah. And, you know, dealing with people in crisis, dealing with people under high stress situations, constant negotiation. I'm not hiking. I refuse. That's a negotiation. Uh, yeah, it is. Right? Uh, <laughs> I dealt with that one. <laughs> you know, I, I worked with delinquents. So yeah. uh, I have a knife and I want to stab you. Okay, uh, how do, maybe we have some other choices here. What do you think? Uh, and, and making those sort of understanding that everything's kind of a negotiation. 
Um, and then I was like, well, we live in Flagstaff. And Flagstaff, what is Flagstaff as an abundance of? Students. That means rental housing. I could deal with that age group. So maybe I could do some property management. I don't know much about pro. I don't know anything sure, about sure, property yeah. management, but what, what the heck, you know? Yeah. And so I, I, that seemed like a good idea. I looked at the investment in the class to get a license to do it. Yep. And I got about halfway through the class and I was like, property manager looks terrible. Like, <laughs> I possibly want to do this. But it also became very apparent that I did have a skill set that would work in this business pretty darn well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so, um, Buying a home's largest investment of anybody's life, typically. Yeah. Like if you're not gonna, if you're not gonna, if you're gonna buy something more than a half million or a million dollars in your life, well, I really want to hang out with you because a house, if it isn't a house, then you've got way more money than than you know what to do with. But, um, um, just that idea of that's a stressful situation to most people. Absolutely. And all all I need to do is like appreciate that. Like yeah. What happens? What What is it like for me? And the people that I know when they get stressed out and what's useful for me or helpful for me. And of course I worked with other people. So what's helpful for other people to help them get in through a stressful situation? Yeah. Because, you know, if you're trying to buy a home, throwing up your hands and hiding is not an effective strategy to complete the task. No, no. And, and that's, yeah. So that's, what's really, really cool to see. And I know you've helped me as I've, uh, we were just talking about all the great mountain biking spots. And I know you've helped me on as I was planning like 50 miler backpacking trips with 12 year olds that I've, I've done. And so, but you realize that you said on the real estate journey that uh, it really is interesting where psychology mm -hmm. and, and human behavior, they're everything in it. Mm -hmm. They're everything. And, and, and so, and especially right now where there are a lot of people that and right now, like specifically right now, mm -hmm. like we are seeing the multiple offers again. Mm -hmm. um, we are seeing, um, you know, in, in negotiation tactics, right? And and that's where I think it's like it's tough enough. And people thought it was like a, a at least in my mind, Bob. And correct me if I'm wrong. It used to be like the bar bench was like qualification, right? Of like ah, it's kind of a hassle. You go, you qualify, or you you know, you have to have your credit pulled, whatever. And then you're qualified. And yeah, that, that like, was the main, that they call barrier to entry. Yeah, that was exactly. That was kind of like a barrier to, uh, you know, a significant barrier to entry. They used to get really excited about finding the house, but right. then they have to, well, I got to go talk about the money. And, and now it's like, well, no, that's, that's, that's a bar of entry still. And it, you know, hopefully it doesn't kick you in the shorts too hard with where interest rates are right now. But then the bigger barrier of entry, like outside of the higher interest rates, which are coming down, mm -hmm. fingers crossed. Yeah, uh, tomorrow's the no. big day, right? Tomorrow's the big day, but there is some, there's a little asterisk that came out today on that. Okay. Great. <laughs> talk about that an hour later. Whenever we, um, I, I assumed we would talk about it because yeah. today's the ninth and you've been yeah. going on for six months about how May 10th is a big yes. deal. Yeah. Yes. So let's actually talk about that right now. So, so, but, but where I, well, I'll finish that thought though real quick is that getting the negotiated house, mm -hmm. Right. That's, that's the bigger bar entry. I have plenty of people that can qualify and can buy, right. but it, now it's like, okay, can you get their, their house and negotiate that? Right. And so I think a lot of then dynamics and emotions and the psychology of the client, you know, of our clientele, cause it's, it's really easy. Cause I think, and there's, there's value and there's, I guess it's a dichotomy, right. Where there's value to not forcing. Mm -hmm. Right. And there's value for someone to say, Hey, Bob, like, this is my level. I'm tapping out. I, I don't want to go higher on this offer. We don't want to call mom and dad for extra money or, you know, I, I totally get that there has to be a line in the sand. Right. Um, but I, I'm concerned of how many people might be so more leaning to, Hey, this just has to be easy and flow. Right. To where like, uh, it's not going to be that either. Yeah. There's a concept we use in outdoor education called front loading. Okay. And the idea is here's what's going to happen. Yep. Here's the steps to that. Love it. And here's what's going to happen. That's a term in the mortgage business as well. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> front loading. And so you front load it and then yeah. you're like, yeah, here's a, you know, last summer you had to have a hundred thousand dollars in cash to play. You couldn't even, don't even bother. Yep. And I would have that conversation going, look, you have $60,000 at a down payment. That's fantastic. But, yeah. but you're going to need to go talk to your parents because yeah. that's the reality. Yeah. Um, and that, that wasn't a healthy, that was not a healthy place for our economy. It wasn't a healthy place for our future economy. Uh, but that was the reality. And the reality was 
Um, in all negotiations, there's people often negotiate really close to their face, right? Yeah. It's all about price of the house. It's not all about price of the house. There's there are a lot of different things, and often, particularly in last year's environment, and it sounds like this year's environment is maybe shaping up the same where you're going to have competitive offers and you're competing yeah. against other parties. It's happening. In that case, it, you know, you really want to focus. Um, there's no negotiation if you can't get your if you can't get an accepted offer. There's not really a negotiation. Yeah. So you have to look at that, saying, okay, what do I, if I really want a house, um, and I know what my price point is, um, front loading it with your client, saying it's probably going to take more than you're comfortable with. It's probably or the house is not going to be in the condition that you want it to be in, or 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 or. Yeah. And then at the end of it, at the end of the day, as an agent, I'm looking at. The first piece is not necessarily the best place to negotiate because in a seller's market, very weighted to one side, a buyer doesn't have a lot of leverage. Yeah. But there are ways to work in leverage later. And there are the, on our contract is designed, um, yes, it generally tends to seller, but down the line, there's a lot of weight and a lot of leverage for buyers. And as an agent, I talk to my clients about that saying, look, negotiation isn't here necessarily. You're going to have to bite the bullet to some extent to get to the starting point. I can make some promises and some assurances for yeah. later in yeah. the negotiations for you, but I can't early on. You've got three other people that have more money and want it worse than you. And you're asking me if we can write a letter so people will, will feel sorry for you. Great. You can, you want to sell your home on the free market, the open market, or to your best friend for a $50,000 deal yeah, exactly. how much how much of a friend yeah. is he is yeah. he worth 50 is he worth 75 is he worth 100 <laughs> do you want to do that and when yeah. people look at it that way and they look at it from a slightly different perspective i think i have a real advantage because i can help people see these things you know people are like well i don't want to sell it to my friend because i want to make as much money as i can on the sale of my home and then as a buyer they can go well i i wouldn't if I could make $50,000 more, I wouldn't necessarily just sell it to somebody because they have a kid and they have a pretty picture or something, you know? Yeah. And that's not discounting that people have a need for a home and want it and everything. Yeah. And that's not to say that a seller won't be like, well, I totally want to sell it to them and I'll be willing to take a financial hit. But statistically, you, would, you wouldn't do yeah. it and I wouldn't do it. So why would they do it? Yeah. Well, and that's, yeah, it gets really tactical. Mm -hmm. It's getting tactical out there. And that's where I think it gets difficult because a lot of people, we can be very, again, in that qualification barrier, mm -hmm. it's it's fairly, my world is fairly straightforward. Like there, there's rules, but it's like, okay, you either have the credit score, the income, the the, the debt load and the down payment that works or you don't. Right. It, it, it's pretty binary, right? My, my decisions should, are binary, right? You either prove or you don't. Um, but I think it gets... And, and, you know, at the end of the day, it's binary as well. Of like your offer gets accepted or it doesn't, but it gets very tactical. And then what is considered highest and best in mm -hmm. my opinion, right? Yeah, yeah. Because best is this massive gate. Is that it people best timeline? Understand. Is it best price? Is it best, you know, uh, they were conditions? A, yeah. Is it best? Is it the best candidate? Again, I want to sell it to uh, a person. Local. Who, Right. Gonna live there. Not not, not getting into fair housing and stuff. But I'm like, hey, you can right. even write a, a strong letter that doesn't right. violate fair housing. That's right. That's say right. I'm a local person, primary residence. Yep. I wanna I wanna buy your home to live in it. Yep. And that is if it, and people come to me that I want to write a letter and I fair housing, it is a nightmare. To to those lettered love letters are scary. Yep. And yeah. so I've strategized over the last couple of years because they've been more popular saying if, if this is true, yes. the most desirable piece that I've heard from sellers yeah. is that they understand that selling it to an investor, Correct. selling it to um, a second home, beautiful home that they just finished inside is going to be like some Airbnb is, is a negative thing sometimes for people to emotionally digest. That's right. Or the, uh, the, how, the home in which I raised all of my children and my husband and I lived for 50 years and he passed away. I don't want that to be turned into a business. I want somebody else to enjoy this home like I did. So to avoid any concerns with fair housing, I, you know, I love this place. I'm employed here. I want to live here for a long time and I want this to be my home. And that's all, you know, it doesn't, you don't need to know male, female, black, white, 
whatever. Marital status. None of that matters. Status, none of that matters. The biggest, the biggest sales point from a buyer's perspective, if, if you're going to force me into a, a, allowing you to send a letter in, simply you want to live in the house. Yeah. And, and there are more homeowners in this town that you would expect than you would might expect that are like, I'll take a small financial, a small financial hit to make sure that somebody has this home as a home. Yep. Yep. Particularly if they've lived here for a good bit of time and, and ha- again, had a life here, whether yeah. that be raising a family, had a job, whatever. It, yeah. And uh, let's talk about some of those, um, some of the things I think would help people understand like the tactics. So let's, let's talk about maybe some tactics. And I know that this can be a turnoff for some people mm-hmm. because we do not live in a barter haggle uh, or, you know, society mm-hmm. for the most part. Mm-hmm. A lot of people feel uncomfortable with that mm-hmm. um, when, you know, and I think it's interesting that I think that comes down to a lot of people take it personal. Whereas like those societies, they don't take it personal. Well, well Chris, that's why you hire a realtor, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So they, they, that's why, that's why Bob exists is because everyone's just too uncomfortable. <laughs> no, that's exactly it. Right. And, uh, w- 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 when I work with kids, we'll go back. When I work with kids, the, the the thing that nobody wanted to do, they're like, Bob, you need to tell Johnny that Johnny can't do this. And I'm like, no, you need to tell Johnny that Johnny can't do that. Yeah. That's actual how the best human interaction works. And in all situations, that's really the best way to do it is I sit down with you and we negotiate whatever. Sure. When you add a ton of money on top of that and high stakes, which is a ton of money, people can't. They just freak out. And there's blame and there's weight, just, just all this bad yeah. stuff. And so, and it takes two sides. So you could say, Hey, I'm, I'm, you could come into that situation. I'm say, totally cool. Cause yeah, you, you've, you've done this before. I'm sure where it's like, Hey, th- here's a for sale by owner and I'm totally cool. I'm going to work this out. I don't have emotions in the game, but you got one other side that's not workable. It's not working. And it's turning the switch off on certain that's things right. and doesn't understand. And the worst is when it's like, I just gave you something that would actually be best for you yep. and you can't even recognize it. Yeah. So again, back to my skill set, right? Yeah, it's yeah. perfect. So, you know, the negotiation piece is that you have two disinterested parties. Yeah. And it's not perfectly disinterested because yeah. we get money too. I get paid at the end. Sure. Um, but you get two disinterested parties that represent an interest on either side. And my job is not to convince Johnny and his wife or husband to, um, to buy this home, but to go through the process in which they're comfortable with and ultimately, yeah, end up with the home. And so my job is to, to help them see the best positive scenario that they can. And hopefully they go, no, that's about as good as we're going to get. And if we want this house, this is what we're going to have to do. Yeah. And both parties do that. And then, you know, my job is also a giant filter. So yeah. there are bad sellers in the world. There are bad agents in the world. And sometimes you get a message and I'm like, Ooh, wow. Okay. They just said or that. home inspections, or home and appraisals, home inspections, and, uh, appraisals, yeah. all these things. Yeah. And you know, and I, I, I've spent a long, t- long career uh, being like, oh, so you just punched him in the face. Okay, that we'll just start there. <laughs> we're gonna start there. And we're gonna move forward because yeah. we can't just let it lie, and we have to work towards some sort of resolution. And, and again, failed home inspection where the, the home is falling apart. Okay, that doesn't necessarily mean we're out, but here's our avenues. Here, what I believe to be acceptable choices for you. Um, I believe they're acceptable because they actually lead to you getting the home or safely exiting this process, whatever that may be. Yeah. And having that conversation with people and just engaging fully in that process and being able to do that. So the agents, I think the agency, imagine buying a car, a brand new car. If you had somebody to represent you. And you didn't have to go there and they take your car keys and you're sitting there by yourself for four hours. Imagine how much that, that situation we'd be like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to buy a new car <laughs> and I hire somebody and they deliver a car to my house. What a fantastic scenario, right? Such your next business. Really? Yeah, <laughs> that's my next business. I don't know if there, there's a, there's a model there. The, yeah, the problem is that the, you know, because when you buy a car, there's only one representative, and it's not for you. Yeah, exactly. it's for the other side, and he's a professional negotiator. She's a professional. As much negotiator. as he comes out and says, "Well, I'm really on your uh, side here," I, I just talked to the I manager. I talked to the manager and, and slide he, his paper over. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, I've, I've had. I've actually been in the situation, and you know, I come from. I come from a, a a long time of like, I worked with a lot of people that were shysters. 
oh, yeah, kids yeah. that were very good shysters. Manipulators. Manipulators. Yeah. And so I had a, a car dealer once. He slid the, slid the paper over and it's empty. The contract is empty. There's no nothing on it whatsoever except like the, the payment number, how much a, a, per month it would be. And he's like, yeah, just sign this and we'll get your car. And I'm like, what is this? Oh, shoot. <laughs> and he's like, oh, that's the contract. Oh, the printer didn't work. And I'm like, well, you better figure out how to make your printer work or I'm leaving. <laughs> and then oh, he said gosh. something like, well, we don't have the keys, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I said, don't worry. I got a spare set. And he was like, I'll be right back. And he brought it back with all the numbers. I was like, cool. <laughs> so it's, it's oh, it, over the years, it's been a little unfair because I've come with the kind of a skill set that yeah. salesmen particularly, I, I, I rub, I, I get abrasive with from time to time. Yeah. Well, you catch the BS meter. And so yeah, it goes off too. For yeah. Sure. So let's, but, but into some, and that's why it'd be helpful as we put this information out there of like it, getting into the tactics. And I think, again, I think that makes people uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I guess, and tell me if you would disagree with this, where I think when we talk about tactics, um, it, it comes down to, Oh, it, this might be a terrible analogy. I love doing terrible analogies on this podcast. I, you love doing like, terrible analogies. So. Speaking of, of, <laughs> of beautiful, and this is just ties right in. Um, beautiful uh, nature's playground that we live in. The um, Aaron Ralston, mm-hmm. the guy that uh, chopped off his arm. Met him. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Right at, uh, within a year or two after his loss oh, there. Crazy. Um, so he was, I was watching this like the making of his movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I heard him talking about um, that experience where he's like, it was it, obviously this is a very um, intense situation and his take, you know, he seems like a no, you met him. I haven't, he seems like a no BS guy. Right. And so he, he was like with the director of like, it's, it's, we're not making some fluff film. Like it's right. gotta be, if we're going to make a film of my life, I'm going to, you know, give you my life story, whatever right. the rights to it, that it's gotta be exactly like that. And so when they were doing, they talked about when they were doing the, the initial, um, watching some of the initial footage with him mm-hmm. and he was really upset with them. Cause they're like, all of a sudden it's like zooming in on the beautiful mountain uh, or, or, you call it Canyonland area that mm-hmm. he was hiking in. There's like this herd of wild horses. Mm-hmm. He's like, there's 90 wild horses right there. But the, the director was like, okay. He's like, are we being true to exactly what you experienced? Or are we trying to be true to your lived experience? Mm-hmm. Cause he said, what you, when you see the Canyonlands and you have all this experience that you've, you have and these memories and he's growing up, I have a 10 second pan that we need to recreate that. Mm-hmm. And so the majestic horses are us trying to create the majesty. It's the iconic West. Right. Exactly. And so you grew up in the iconic West. So your view is different. Yeah. So he's trying to say, did you, you know, are, are we trying to recreate what is, how you feel felt or what you saw and which is more important. Right. And, mm-hmm. and I, and I always remembered that. And I thought that, so as we're going with like, cause we talk about buyer tactics, let's see if this carries in and over of like, are we, you know, you might feel of certain things we're going to put in this negotiations and certain, you know, these inspections periods and how we phrase things and waiving things and escalation things. Like, are we trying to like make you something you're not, or are we trying to just tell the seller you are a solid buyer and you mean business Yep. and, and everything else after that acceptance, you walk through with Bob on what type of then T's come into the road and there are many T's that come into the road that even lead to, like you said, a safe exit with a little bit of money and time, you know? Yep. Um, but to know like, that's all like, we're going to do a lot of interesting things here right. that might not feel like, well, no, Bob, I don't want to waive my appraisal, but it's like, oh, we're going to get the appraisal within four days. Right. Like Chris has a fast track appraisal, which we do um, to where we'll get that appraisal. So you don't need that contingency. Right. We're protecting you. We're, we're not doing stupid stuff. Like the intent is all there, even though the way we're structuring this needs to show in the seller's eyes of this majestic buyer. Right. Is that a good analogy? I, yeah, I guess. Tied in, okay. <laughs> it's, it's it's interesting too uh, the idea of representation and people. I always say that there's there's two basic types of people in the world. There's uh, well, there's two two different situations, right? There's there's offensive behavior. Yeah, I did something that is clearly offensive, and anybody in the room would be like, "Holy smokes!" And then there's just offendable people. Yeah, where 
okay, yeah, probably it was off color, whatever. But they're all mad and they're mad well out of proportion of the scenario. Sure. Right. And and so when I approach negotiations with people in real estate, I think in those terms, right? Yeah, okay. we yeah. we we don't we don't want to create a fence, but really this is a business deal. And there's really no like you know, is uh uh the head of Microsoft not gonna do a merger because the first offer was too low? No, they're not. They're actually gonna look at that and be like well, that's too low, but we'll, you know, yeah. stay in conversation. Yeah. That buying a house is not that different than that. You can't just, even a seller, you know, and last year might've been a different thing where it's like, I'm offended by that. I'll move on. Yeah. That won't always be the case. Yeah. This year, who knows? Who knows sure, what happens this sure. month, next month, June 1st, who knows what happens? We might be into a position where buyers are suddenly in a strong, very, very, very strong position. And that, offendable versus, you know, offensive versus offendable. You really need to look that and put that into perspective. Uh, are we doing something that's actually offendable or is the person simply offended that they didn't get what they wanted to? Yeah. And that's largely the case in sales is like who, you know, and I represent both sides, buyers yeah. and sellers yeah. and people like, well, I can't, I'm not even going to look at their next offer. And I'm like, well, that that's ill-advised because the, your goal is to sell the home at a price that you're happy with. Right. This person has shown interest in buying your home, yeah. maybe not at the price, but we're halfway there. They've shown interest, yeah. you know, and, and if you, so I, I often have that talk. Are you being, are you just being offended by something that's not really offensive? It's just a number. It's yeah. just an offer. Like yesterday you didn't have any, now you have one and yeah. you're mad because of the number. That's, that's, that's not necessarily in relation to the goal that you're shooting for. And having those conversations with people saying, look, you know, buyers the same way. We're, we're trying to present, you know, oh, I want A, B, and C. I know you want A, B, and C. But let's yeah. go with A and C. B isn't going to create the majestic horse scene that we need, you know. Um, and, <laughs> exactly. and, and, and again, negotiation is, is not necessarily all right in front of you. Some of it's down the line. And so B, there might be an opportunity for B, that negotiation. Three weeks from now. Exactly. And just relax. Take a deep breath and move forward. And I I think that a lot of people would like, and I get that, is we'd like things to be so cut and dry, mm -hmm. right? Again, we're, we're in that, we're, we're trained for that, right? Mm -hmm. Go find it on Amazon. That's the price. Click buy. Mm -hmm. It's it. Done. It's one, one, you didn't even negotiate and it was instant, right? And so to go from it, we're going to negotiate and we are going to be comfortable staging our negotiations and our mindset through that to say, okay, let's get in the door, get in that, have an, get to where we have an exclusive conversation with the seller, which is a contract. Yep. Now you, that's all you've done. You haven't bought the house yet. You now are the exclusive person conversing on the negotiations. And now you Everyone have, else has left the room for now. And now you have an advantage because there are no other people negotiating, yep. right? They can be pending or in the wings, but but those things change as well. And so yeah. you are then in that exclusive agreement to then say, okay, B, like we really wanted them to throw down some credit because we think there's something wrong with the roof. Well, get your inspection, find out, provide the evidence, mm -hmm. and then maybe you get that little credit or something, right? And, and what I think is just so valuable that people don't understand is opportunity cost. And that's where I think, even if we don't see like this big shift of like, there's tons of inventory and now buyers, um, have more of a, you know, uh, they have the, the upper hand on things or, um, it's more of a buyer's market. Even if that doesn't necessarily happen here in Flagstaff, what a lot of people don't realize is that financial leverage or leverage in that negotiation shifts with, with need in any negotiation. Right. right. So all of a sudden right. you have, you do have a lot of contingent sellers. Right now, yep. And you have sellers that a lot of these sellers are selling because they have life goals. So that's important for I think for buyers to understand. Yep. Is this person wants to leave? I got people moving to Prescott because they hated the snow. I got people that are moving up. I got people because everyone else that's content in their lower fixed interest rates from the last three right. years. Right. Most people are moving because they they want to go somewhere. So that's a need that they have. Right. So all of a sudden, you're two, three weeks down the road, they can taste the money. But also, you want to make some little changes or something within your your contract agreement. Yep. 
you know, I've, leverage. I've been in, leverage. I've been in contracts where the seller was like, do not bring me any contracts under X amount. Don't do it. Yeah. And lo and behold, a couple weeks after that, and you know, my response, my, by the way, my response is always like, that sounds great. I'll tell everybody you told me that, but you're still going to see these because that's, <laughs> that's my job. You're, and it's their fiduciary responsibility too. That, that's right. And so yeah. what, a, but, a, but a, interestingly enough, I get a phone call and they're like, yeah, I'll accept, you know, X, which is lower than the original X where she didn't <laughs> want to see any contracts. And I'm like, okay. And then I made some phone calls and suddenly we have a deal. Right. Yeah. And, and it's, we don't know. I don't, I, I don't, I don't go out of my way, frankly, to know all of the ins and outs of a seller client. What matters to me most is that they want to sell their home, that they, they want to sell it for the best price that they can get under the best terms that they can get. I roughly know what those are. If I don't roughly know, I'll start to ask people. That's the important piece. And then I can I can go off and do my job. The the, the the big concern comes when everybody's thinking like they're completely everybody's completely inflexible. There's no chance. That's never the case. It's no, never the case. No. Buyers and sellers. Again, the, do do I think that there's higher percentages places? Do I think that you have a a decent percentage saying, hey, um, is it is it worth your time to say, hey, I'm going to just live in this house and I want to live here. That's my home. Yeah. Does that do I think that's helpful? It might, and it's so such a small investment that go. Let's go ahead and do that because it won't Absolutely. hurt anything. But to think that like nothing will help except hundreds of thousands of dollars in cash, that might be the case as well. But it's the equally small case as that letter could be helpful or not, right? Yeah, let's let's play the game um, here to because uh, most statistics are made up on the spot anyway. Oh, I totally bang mine up. <laughs> so what if, if you had to say? Um, what percent, well, and so, and this is hard. This is really, really hard. Cause I just had, we just had one get accepted for, um, for tens of thousands of dollars over, mm-hmm. or sorry, our client's offer was tens of thousands of dollars lower than other competing offers. Mm-hmm. And at least as it was communicated back to us, one of the leading factors was that client was willing and able to waive the appraisal. Mm-hmm. Okay. Two things on this. Okay, this is a big one, I think. This is, in my mind, I think this is a really, really big one because um, is that's how the listing agent wants to perceive of this is a high good and they want to represent that to their their mm-hmm. seller of like this is something that's not going to bite us in the you know, later and that, that we think they really want it and that shows that majestic right. um, Canyonland horse riding through. Um, but to say that on the back end, I've just talked to the appraiser mm-hmm. Um Unrelated, we don't solicit appraisers, <laughs> but it wasn't it wasn't that kind of conversation. But they're like, by the way, what's up with this listing? Because it's like well under some comps. Mm-hmm. So it was a calculated mm-hmm. risk, right? They were like, they were looking at the comps, like, um, wave the appraisal on this. Uh, sure, right. yeah, we're gonna wave the appraisal on this, and then secondly, we'll have the appraisal back with an inspection period, mm-hmm. so they they can make other decisions uh, and have outs that aren't tied to the appraisal. That's right, and and so. That's where I'm like, where I'm leaning in this long um, structure of the question here is price seems really darn important. We saw highest and best. Highest seems pretty darn important. Everybody thinks right now, if you own property, that you are entitled to significantly more than whatever it is that your realtor tells you the market price is. That's just the reality. And that's hung over from last year and the year before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before we were seven, eight, nine, ten. So right now the big fear from sellers is that I sell my home for less than my neighbor and then prices go up and I've lost all of that money, right? So God forbid I take a deal that's less than that because frankly equal scenarios where it's going to go up a little or down a little, I think right now. Yeah, equally yeah. possible. Um, so people are terrified. Sellers are terrified that they're gonna, you know, uh, was it FOMO, fear of missing out? Right? <laughs> yeah. I won't get as much as my neighbor got on their house, and my not, yeah, and my, uh, you know, my neighbor's house isn't nearly as nice as mine. It's just like, come yeah. on, people, like, understand that you know you got you got a deal on your house, whatever it was, yeah, good, good or bad, yeah, up or down. You're doing really well. I always, I've been telling people for a year, like you may not, um, you may not sell the home for as much as your neighbor. Yeah. And after last summer, I was like, you may not sell it for as much as your neighbor, but you're going to do okay. 
Yeah. And when you look at it, you're going to do okay. <laughs> yeah. You know that there are uh, bank owned properties coming back on people that are losing their homes because they weren't able to pay during the pandemic. Then are we seeing that in a, in a pretty significant? Uh, I have had none in two years and I have two on the board right now. Okay. So they're pre. Well, of course, nothing happened in the, yeah, with forbearance. That's right. I'd be curious to see how, yeah, I'm a little bit more pessimistic that we won't see a ton of that, but I mean, two is more than zero. So that's. Statistically, you know, it's a hundred percent, hundred percent increase from nothing. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, I'm just saying it, it's interesting that in those cases, like had, uh, you, you know, we shouldn't see bank owned situations right now. If, if somebody had, um, counsel, reasonable counsel, knowledgeable yes. counsel, yes, yes, they should yes. have been able to say, well, your home's appreciated immensely and simple, yeah. not even a short sale. It's a, it's sale. a sale. It's a sale. Yeah. You will be able to pay off your debt, which you're behind on, yep. and you will walk away with some money yep. and you will have no negative impact on your credit whatsoever because yeah. you just sold your house yeah. like anybody did. The fact that that's happening is very sad to me because th- that means that there are, re- there are realtors out there that are not seeing that, seeking those folks out and presenting that not as a sales pitch, but as a, hey, and I, and I did this. The first, uh, there was a... a uh, a foreclosure on a house. It was a private loan. And uh, I became aware of it. And I drove out to the house and I knocked on the door and I said, Hey, are you, are you aware that your house is being foreclosed on? The lady starts to cry and she said, I had no idea. Oh my I was, gosh. I, I, so mistakes are awesome. Yeah. I learned yeah. a lot. <laughs> Thank God I was somewhat prepared for that scenario. Yeah, and I was yeah, like, yeah. Well, here's the, you know, here's the paperwork. It's, it, does this seem, correct you and she's like yeah she's like i totally get this and so i sat with her for a little while i said look i'm not trying to sell you anything i'm simply saying i'm aware of your situation yeah and i can provide you one maybe two options that that if you choose could help you out of the scenario and she was like okay we'll talk tomorrow so i i you know made several trips and she ultimately listed it because that was she didn't have a lot of time because she was never somehow was never told until I talked to her. And then, um, she actually worked it out. House came off the market. She never had to sell it. Okay. And she was able to resolve it, but that was the role I played. Yeah. And it was some time and some money, but I, but that's rewarding. Imagine that she's got friends. And when she chooses to, I'm just not going to be another agent. You know, she understood that I was there simply to provide assistance. Sure. And unfortunately, that assistance was the ability to help sell her house so she could pay off that debt, not be in financial or um, credit issues into the future. And she got that. But she was also like, but the, here's my goal. And I'm like, that's what I understand. I am entering this agreement, understanding what your goal is, is to not sell your house. But I will help you sell your house if that has to happen. Not, I, It's not a business model that works for my entire sure, business, sure, for sure. sure. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. But it's also part of my job. My job is yeah. to do these sort of things. So we're going to see some of these things. And again, I, I believe that it is responsibility of all realtors to help people understand that they do have choices um, and, and choices that will that aren't the best ones. Uh, I've been in a lot of situations over the years living out west yeah, yeah. Uh, where you, I have two terrible choices. Awful. Both of them are like, mm, both of those stink. Um, and I think in our world today, people always want to believe that they always have a good choice and several bad ones. And I, I truly believe from my experience over and over, Aaron Ralston, right? He didn't have a lot of choices and they were all really bad. Like I stay here and die. I cut my own arm off with pocket, also, with a pocket. Not great. Yeah. Right. Not a good choice, but he, those were his choices. And so he had to exercise one and now he can tell the story, right? Cause he exercised in that one worked out in a, yeah. in a weirdly positive way for him. <laughs> um, the thing with, with Aaron Ralston, when I met him, um, his, his speech was maybe a year or two after he got out of the canyon. He said, uh, and we were all very critical, not knowing him or the, yeah. the situation. You just heard some dude cut his arm off in a canyon. And you think this guy's kind of like fast and loose, got himself in a bad situation. And I knew those guys. Yeah. I, I, I was probably that guy for a short period of time. Right. And and, and I was like this guy and he got up at the little presentation and he said, uh, that rock, that boulder that trapped my arm, pinned my arm was waiting for my, me, my entire life. 
And if you really want to roll that around in your head, it's like, you know, there's, there's a lot to that. Yeah. It's not, it's a metaphoric boulder trapping your arm in a Canyon where you're just, you, you, you're, if you believe that nothing bad can happen, if you believe that everything should work out perfectly for you, if you believe that you should always get the deal that you want, if you believe that there's something bad waiting for you because you're believing in something that's unrealistic. Yeah. Right. Something will happen because it's, it's, it's statistically impossible. God does not allow things to just go perfectly for you. It just doesn't work that way. <laughs> no, no, nor is it healthy for you. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's very big picture thoughts as we then think about the real estate market is people, you know, again, needing to know like, this is not going to be, nor will it, and I'm pretty confident in being able to say ever, I, I think some, and I, I will excuse the last decade. And that's the hardest part is because we're so comparative and to say like, Oh, five years ago or 10 years ago, people could roll into this. My latest, another terrible analogy is I'm like, you know, armchair, you know, or eating potato chips on the couch and running to run in a marathon. You could do that in the housing market the last right. decade, right? You, you had no idea. And then your friend says, oh, I'm buying a house. And you're like, oh, I, I want to look at those too. And you could, you know, talk to me, call Bob, be in that house, love the payment, probably be cheaper than rent. Mm -hmm. That was the last decade. Yep. And it was beautiful, yep. it, right? But but with well, massive but, subsidy and pain economically. The, the only reason right? it was possible was because massive pain. Yes, which rent rent to uh, went to subsidy, yeah. went to, right? It was completely it was, artificial. Yeah, and, that, and, and you know, and I'm 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 dumb enough to not even understand like all the implications that, that there's still massive balance sheets on the books of yeah. the Federal Reserve post um, 2008 and mm -hmm. double up post pandemic or two through the pandemic. So it's like, so we've already paid the piper and a lot of people basically had the other way I heard someone put it is like, you know, these two, one buy down programs are basically saying the seller's going to subsidize your interest rate. The government did that for, you know, $80 billion a week of two, right. one buy downs for everyone. Like here, right. here, here, you, you, you go, you know? And so, you know, have a 2% for the next 30 years. Um, and so to say like, okay, so that's, that existed, but now it's, it's, it's really, I, I feel pretty confident in saying that it's, totally achievable. Homeownership is totally achievable, but you're going to have to have that training mindset. You're going to have to prepare yourself. You're going to have to front load, get information, get data, prepare tactically, mm -hmm. get ready to remove some emotional pain from this of like, well, I missed out or you know, I should have, could have, would have. Yep. I hear that. I hear that literally the most common thing I hear. Actually, the most common <laughs> thing I hear is I should have bought a home in Flagstaff six years ago. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah. I should have as well. Right. No one's got the DeLorean. Right. In reality, <laughs> if you're a homeowner in this town, everything's yeah. freaking awesome. And if you're not a homeowner in this town, you're like, it'll never happen. Yeah. The reality is what six, right around 6% um, interest rates. Yep. Historically average. My, my parents in 1981 bought a home at 14% interest. Yep. Like, it was possible. Yeah. And it costs like a dollar fifty. Just kidding. But, uh, That's right. I think thirty-five thousand. I saw that uh, uh, yeah, I saw oh the gosh. paperwork after my parents passed and it was like thirty-five thousand dollars. Like, yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, fourteen didn't feel so bad on that. That's right. Well, it did because you know, well, wage, relative, wages and everything is all relative, right? Yeah. And so so, you know, if 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 my folks could figure that out, everybody can. It's a matter of Again, it's it's a it's an adjustment of what you want. You know, I had a, a client who grew up in my hometown of Toledo, and uh, you know he he kept saying, "Oh, why is it so expensive here?" And I said, "Man, I, I can give you an early century home with like oak floors for eighty thousand dollars." He's like, "Where's that?" I was like, "Back in Toledo." And he's, "Well, I don't want to live there." And I'm like, "That's why it's eighty thousand dollars, and that's why it's half a million dollars to buy a home here because look at look at the place." You're not the only person that sees the advantages of living in Flagstaff, Northern Arizona. And so if you have more means, those are the people right now that are pushing the envelope. If you have less means, you're going to have to be strategic. Yep. You can, you know, I, I, I come from a place where I had 10 people. If they weren't with me, it's just me and usually one other person, one other adult. That's I'm outnumbered. I'm outgunned. I'm outstrengthed. I need to get creative and figure out, solve the problem. I need to get to where I need to go 
with all of the disadvantages in place and I can't sit on, oh, how terrible the scenario is for me or how terrible the environment could be raining too. And they all, they all want to like beat me up and steal the car keys and run away. And it's like, the reality is that that can't happen. And so creativity. So you never had a full on mutiny? No, no. And, and the reason is, is because I, I very, I'm a good negotiator, right? (laughs) You know, I think, I think the one kid said once, you know, I'm going to take the keys from you and get to the van. And I said, I said, what happens if I beat you there? He's, well, that won't happen. I'm like, are you sure? And he was like, I'm not, what do you mean? And I was like, (laughs) I mean, you should think about that before it. And he was like, okay, I'm hungry. And I'm like, I can deal with that problem. (laughs) And immediately created a new, a new talking point, a new direction. But real estate's sort of that same thing is, is we can sit here and, and go on and on about how, how bad the market is for certain buyers and all these things. There are things that I can impact. You know, I can go to city council meetings and say what I can say about vacation rentals. And sure, what, sure. There's all of these things that I can do. But as a home buyer, I, I am presented with the environment that I'm presented with, right? It's wintertime, there's snow. I can't change that. There's wintertime and it's snow. Yeah. For the people that can't understand that, they will never own a home here, or if they do, they'll be mad at me, you, <laughs> and everybody else involved in that process. Uh, and so the real trick is to say, what, what's when I first started in the business with kids, there was a, a there was a guy that had a, an idea called reality therapy, and it was just like, okay, let's look at the reality of the situation here. Sure. And I know what you want and what you expect, but let's look at what everything else, what, the other things that you can see and touch and bump into. And how does that gel with what you want? Yeah. And so there are two scenarios. The world can change to fit your needs or you can adjust to fit into the, the, the opportunities that the world presents to you. Which one are you going to do? And with home, home ownership, it's sort of that. You, you're not going to change the market. That's well beyond our control. Yep. The trick is, can you talk to a lender? Can you get? Uh, can you hire a realtor that can negotiate certain things a certain way and give you good yep. advice? And how do you work, given the environment that's presented to you, how do you make that function and achieve your goals despite the environment that you have to deal with? Because, mm-hmm. again, I think in American society, particularly in the last 10 or 15 years, you see people like, I, I want it. I go to Amazon. I see it. I click it. It shows up at my house in two yeah. days. Yeah. That's that's great, but that's not how the rest of the, the, the place that's not works. how real estate works. Yeah. It's not how everything else works. Yeah. If you think about it, if you, in Americans, we're so myopic, you know, yeah. you look at anything. Imagine if you lived in, pick a country in Central Africa. I guarantee that their world is much more of a normal worldview than ours here in the United States. They understand it, negotiation and bartering and things like that. Go to Europe or Eastern Asia or South Asia. Americans, we've just been spoiled yeah. by the ability to just get what we want quickly and easily. Real estate, again, if you've got billions of dollars, that is exactly what you can get because you have all those resources. For most of us, it requires adjustment. And acceptance of the the world as it's presented to us, and and again finding the opportunities in the environment that's presented to us. You find the holes, you find the levers, you know. And and I I do a lot of negotiations where uh, I, when we're doing a deal, people are like, oh, I don't like the price that I'm having to ask for to get the home, blah 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 blah. Yeah, but I'm also looking at three levers down. Or, th- or exactly. six weeks down yeah. the line, and there's some other levers we can pull yeah. that, you know, you're going to invest a thousand dollars in in uh, Inspection inspections and, yeah. and all these other yeah. things. Um, but then we're let's say we're three weeks from close, and you have the opportunity to to walk. That actually could be an important lever in a negotiation four weeks from now. Yep, I don't know. And I can't guarantee anything because there are a million factors. Well, no, and I think that's it's it's important for people to know. Another thing that we talk about is really blanket. It's just so very specific, mm-hmm. right? It's understanding the buyer's needs, the seller's needs, and and the timing. And I just think it's a lot of things that people have to understand. That's why working. And I was actually just talking with. Uh, um, I have a business coach, and I was just talking with him about our real estate market and. 
And that honestly, and I'll, I'll say it, that I really think there's less than, um, let me see, I'll be careful about this. Like really, I'd say maybe 10 to 15% of licensed real estate agents are worth their commission. Do you agree or disagree? I uh, was somebody. And that's th- Flagstaff. Somebody this week gave that exact same number. They yeah. made they made it up at the exact same number that you made up. Uh, we were talking I mean, it's about really ten, but we say fifteen to be nice. <laughs> That's right. um, you, you know, know there, you there, I think there's like six hundred licenses. Plus, yeah, yeah, in our association, They're and actually local, not uh, MLS. Right? Yeah, yeah, and and, and this person, I don't, I, honestly, I'm sorry, whoever you were, uh, said you know there's only ten percent of us that are actually working. Yeah, and you know there there are um, there's. Two, there's two types, right? There's, there's those that are offendable and those that are offensive. Uh, in real estate, there's there's those that know what we're doing and we're professionals. And we, you know, if we're not doing real estate, we're not living. We're not yeah. drawing an income, and it's an important thing. And then some folks that, however they want to do their business, they've developed it over the years where they call it churn and burn where yeah. your client. And yeah. If you're hot and ready to go, boom, boom. boom. Right. Um, but you know, most of us, we rely upon doing business today and doing business, maybe that same person or people that know that same person tomorrow and, and our business yeah. grows. And so competency and attention and empathy and it's all of those pieces are important aspect of our, our business. And, you know, as a code of ethics, I can't, blast another agent, but I hear stories all the time. I'm like, I'm really sorry that that experience happened yeah. for you. And I, you know, my first thing always, when I hear a client uh, is, you know, we, 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 we love and support the, the, the realtor profession and industry. Um, but we love and support it at uh, a level of, uh, you said proficiency expertise, right? That's what we've talked about before that the most dangerous thing to the real estate profession, even in my profession is bad mortgage and bad realtor uh, professionals, yeah. right. That, that undermine the confidence in expertise. Yeah. And so where I think that, you know, so in that support, when I have someone come to me, they're like, ah, you know, our offer didn't get accepted, you know, Bob, you know, we, we don't know if Bob really did right on that or something. My, my first instinct is, oh, or not instinct. My first reaction to them is always, have you talked to Bob about that? That's right. Right. Cause you know, a good realtor and a good team member needs a feedback loop. That's right. If you create no feedback loop, then you are being, you know, then you are the, the disadvantage. Well, that, that's like the bot. That's a boss with a bad employee that eventually is like, I can't keep them here anymore. I'm like, but did they know that you weren't happy with them for the last four and yeah. a half years? Yeah. Right. That's something that's a, a very basic one-on-one of my first business, which was like, I have a problem with Johnny. Fantastic. Why are you telling me? Yeah. I like, First step is you go talk to Johnny. If you're not willing to go talk to Johnny, I'll go sit with you and you can talk to Johnny. Right. Yep. And I've, I've been in that situation where somebody wasn't happy with their inspector or lender yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, great, let's, let's call him and tell him. Yep. And I'll sit quietly for the most part. Yeah. I'll bridge the conversation. <laughs> yeah. um, but you're hiring them. They're an employee of yours. Yes. Like you and I are employees because we get paid to provide a service to somebody who's buying a home. Yep. And we use the term client. That's a bit of an ownership on our piece. But in the same sense, we're employees of those folks. And so we should give them as employees, we should give the boss notes on, hey, you're doing a good job as a boss. Or, you know, that there's some yeah. things we could work on. And as a boss, you should give good notes to your employees. And so if you're happy, it's okay to tell me that you're you're so far, you're happy. And if you're unhappy, it's critical that you tell me that. But I even think what um, one of my uh, in that piece is to just ask the powerful questions because mm-hmm. you can know it's not like hey you you owe it to them to go back and then stick with them for ninety days. No, it's like you got to ask your realtors right now why didn't my offer get accepted? Yeah, and at, and be vulnerable and then asking the next question of what can I do to make myself stronger right. or appear more strong. And right. you might hear some answers that you don't love and you might not understand it of like wave the appraisal, Bob, well, you know, or escalation clause, right. or, you know, we need to be, you know, you might hear some things that make you uncomfortable, but then work to not be ignorant, but to understand, well, then Bob, how do I sell my protections? Oh, well now I get it, Bob, how I can use a tactic, That's right. still not lose my protections, but be stronger or but here's the piece, Chris, like you have to know real estate well enough and you have to understand the contract well enough 
to be confident enough to tell clients that that's that's the situation. So that's my step two, yeah. though, is is so to clients saying, hey, communicate, communicate. Don't just fire, fire your realtors and start calling right. Bob, um, but communicate. And then you do have to make critical decisions. If you don't feel that you had the right answers in that conversation, um, without without being all dramatic and getting emotional and, right. and firing people and right. saying, okay, now you can then subtly pick up the phone, call another realtor and say, hey, I have these questions. How would you have done this? How do I need to be positioning? Because right. like you said, it's it, I, I really am. It's, it's one area that I get kind of frustrated. And again, I love all realtors. <laughs> like, respect all people, but not every individual or human being is going to get you in a house. And so I really think that a lot of people need to be very, very aware of it. I saw it play out really negatively in some situations where it's like, man, this client is, they're so qualified. They're ready to go. They're just not getting the right attention. Mm -hmm. They're not getting in the right way. And that's where it's not just, hey, let's overbid everything by 50K. You know, it's, right. it's like, no, there's a way to navigate this. And there are winners and losers. And that is right. the real estate market. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. I, um you know, I looked at, um, that thought's gone, Chris. She went there. I knew it was going to happen at least once during this thing. I was like, oh, gosh. Um, my other thing you're thinking of it, uh, my other thing I was going to tell you is that um, the reality therapy, that guy's not married. Can't be. He was. He actually wrote a book on relationships, <laughs> and it's fantastic. It's actually, it's uh, like, guys, William Glasser, and the book is, uh, it's, uh, I forget the name of it, but William Glasser. He wrote a book okay. with his wife about this whole thing. And it's, uh, so I, I, I it's. It must it, be a special pair. So we can, we can delve into a, a, yeah, um, that, you know, that, that's a big thing. So in, in real estate, we do, there are two contracts, employment contracts. Yeah. There's a listing contract and a buyer broker contract, which is a, a contract that most agents don't use with buyers to say, Hey, you're committing to work with me for a period of time. Um, because people, buyers are like, why, what if I don't like them? Well, if the listing's the same situation. If you don't like them, you're you're in a yeah, world. You, yeah. you signed a contract, and if you don't like the house after you buy it, guess what? You signed a contract. It's like the reality of things. So one of the things, because I've been moving towards the buyer broker, I think it's an important piece to have employment agreement and have people understand clearly that you're hiring me to do a specific job. Sure. And you're a boss. You're my boss when you hire me. The thing with the buyer brokers, everybody thinks that if it doesn't work out, that suddenly you owe me money. Yeah. And that's not the case. Yeah. So I've been taken to recently. I'll, I'll put in there. You can cancel this at any time, but you have to talk to me in person. Yeah. Because that. <laughs> I like it. And what it, and what it does is it, bre it, broaches, it broaches the most important issue, which is the ability for us to have a conversation a no BS conversation about whatever yeah. is I'm not an offendable person. Even if you are offensive, it's okay. Yep. We're going to have a conversation. Tell me why. And we're good. Exactly. I will. You're out. It's a bilateral contract. If you talk to me and you met that obligation, I will, you will be free to go get whomever you want. And I might even recommend one or two people or provide some advice of questions that you would want to ask them entering into that one because that clearly created some conflict that you weren't happy with. I, I'm okay with it. Yeah. Having said that, I've never lost a client. That yeah. just, you know, some people have just, I'm not buying, yeah. but I've not had anybody that I'm aware of, and I, I pay attention to these things, that have just left with me and then gone with somebody else, yeah. buying and selling both sides. But I think that's an important piece is just to say, hey, look, my, my bar the only thing I expect is that you tell me. Yeah. We have a conversation as two human beings, and if you're unhappy, it's okay. You can tell me you're unhappy. And if you don't want to work with me, that's okay too. Yeah. If you want to work with me, okay. And and I get it. Like I am probably a somewhat unique person in that aspect. There's a there's a small percentage of the world that's completely cool with that. And I mean sure. it hurts and yeah. like, I'm embarrassed. Yeah, 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 oh yeah, my yeah. God. And all of that stuff. But it's also um, it's very human and much more human than a lot of other things. And you got people in the world that are just like, I'm not wrong. You're, you, you're a pleb. You're just buying a home. I'm an expert. That's not a good place to be either. Uh, no, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, we're, we're running on time here real quick, but just, uh, it's been awesome, but um, quick fire. 
could you give us the super quick version? Because you're up on the short-term rental stuff a little bit with the city. Yep. Can you give us the the quick soundbite on that one? What's new, happening with short uh, short-term rental? New rules, regulation? more fees. New rules, more fees. They have to register. Yep, got to register. Okay. And uh, you know, it'll cost you if you don't. Go ahead and run your uh, pirate operation. If you get caught, your neighbors will rat you out because it will eventually be a party that's too loud and that yeah. happen, You know, so. Um, I, so it's not a permission thing, though, in the sense if I've seen other, so I haven't looked at everything to where I've seen certain regulations where it's like, hey, you, you know, there's all sorts of crazy things that have been attempted. But basically, yeah. you know, as long as it's within your your HOA and other ordinances to be a short term rental, yep. you can be a short term rental. You don't have to get your neighbor permission or anything. Nope. It's just it's going to have. But you got to jump through the the hoops that the administration yep. put, and that frankly that keeps that keeps people safe. Government, yeah. government regulation is, you know, there's two ways to view government regulation. Government regulation is a burden. Government relations is protection. All protections are burdens. I got to put my seatbelt on. It's the two extra seconds in my car. What a, what a problem, you know? Yeah. But the reality is that it's, it's a protection. And it's a protection not for you as a business person. It's a protection for everybody else because those can be negative to the community. And, uh, and I've been a little bit out of the loop on it. All the meetings have hit other meetings. Um, is it happening or it's going to be voted on or what's going to, when is this going to actually I don't have hit? an answer to that. I don't know. So you don't know. Okay. So stay tuned. Stay tuned because yeah, it is changing. I can't it's say. the wild west, which there's nothing wrong with ringing in the wild west a little bit. It's uh, good. There's some good, there's some positives. There's yeah. some positives for sure. And you know, the idea that are, that are put, that, that are being put in place in Flagstaff are coming directly from Sedona. And yeah. Sedona, Sedona implemented their program uh, six, eight months ago. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I, that part of my market down there as well. And, and I've had people buy homes again, all things being equal and the rules have changed. And I call them and I say, Hey, you know, what's, how's that impacting? And they're like, yeah, it's just, it's a business. Yeah, exactly. It's just a business. Yeah. So it's not like if you have a, a short-term rental, you're going to go out of business. Will your profit margins maybe decrease? Maybe, I don't know. I haven't yeah. seen the numbers. I've, I don't run that business. I don't know. Sure, sure, sure. But the reality is that it's not anything meant to stop that from happening. It's just meant to, again, provide protections. Exactly. I love it. Lawson, Bob, anything else? Any other final words? No. All right. We well, appreciate you having me on. People give Bob a call. Thank right. you.